You're listening to the Canes Country Podcast with Brett Finger and Justin Lape. Presidential alert. Tomorrow's opening night for the Hurricanes. That was the most creative intro I think we've ever had. Actually, it was really bad, too, because this is going up on Thursday. So <laughs> let's let's redo it. All right. It. Let's redo, redo it. it. All right. All right. Redo it. Be, okay. Be one more shot. All right. All right. All right. Here you go. Presidential alert. Opening night is tonight. It's October wow. 4th. The Islanders wow. are, are, are coming to Raleigh. I can't believe it. The season's well, here. This is the Canes Country Podcast. My name's Brett. Uh, my friend here, his name is Justin. Justin, how excited are you for Thursday night NHL hockey involving the Carolina Hurricanes? I am super pumped. I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket this year, and I'm not going to get really excited and then ultimately be let down. So... I, I could say that this is the most exciting Thursday I've ever had in my life. Really? <laughs> really? Kidding, kidding. <laughs> no, nope, no, nope, I've had better. <laughs> I've had better Thursdays. But no, it's 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 good to have hockey back. Um when you guys hear this, the season will have already started on Wednesday. So I am probably but already not, but not the real season. The real season doesn't start until Thursday night when the hurricanes start. Yes, so exactly. So up until then, it will be fake hockey that doesn't matter. Exactly, exactly. Because the only thing that matters here is the Carolina Hurricanes. And by the way, Justin, uh, since we last talked uh, a little under a week ago, uh, we're doing two podcasts this week, in case you haven't noticed. Um, the Hurricanes have set their lineup. They have made their final cuts. Everything is in place. Um, nothing really out of the, uh, of the, you know, out of the norm, I guess, from what we expected. Uh, what are your thoughts on the 23-man roster that the Carolina Hurricanes and Rob Burnamore have decided on for opening night? Well, it's young. Um, it's young for sure. Uh, the, the thing about it is, I think we've been stuck in this youth movement, it seems like, since Jim Rutherford's tenure, where they kind of started this youth movement and a few players like Skinner and Falk. And, and, you know, then Francis comes in and makes it even younger and younger. But I feel like it's kind of the culmination of, of all the the patience, more or less. I mean, I think this is probably... It has to be one of the, the youngest rosters in, in opening night history for the team. Um and I think that can be both a good and bad thing. Uh, you know, you worry about a little inexperience, but I think that the talent on it, um, you know, is is going to be pretty solid. Um, I think it will go through waves mostly, um, but I I'm I'm pretty excited. It it looks different, like it just feels different. And I know I think that mostly results from the Hannafin and Lindholm trade and not seeing their names in the lineup. I think it kind of finally hit me that. You know this. This is truly a different team, um, and you know I'm I'm happy for for some of the young guys. I think uh, you know players like Walmart and Zekoff and Fogel making the roster, um, who did phenomenal in Charlotte last year. And and I spoke to Coach Vellucci, um on on Wednesday, and 
he said that he spoke to him and congratulated them and told him it was a big opportunity. And um, he just said to make it is one thing, but you have to make sure you stay there. And, and I think they have what it takes to stay there. So I, I'm pretty excited about to see what the young guys can do. Um, but I think that, you know, especially with, um, you know, the news that came out earlier this week with the Darling injury, uh, I still think goaltending remains an issue and ultimately will sink or swim this team. I think that's uh, fair. I think the... Um, I, I It's tough because... There's a lot that I like about this team. Um, it feels it feels like they're finally moving forward. Um, I don't think that throughout the Bill Peters experience and Ron Francis, I don't think that the Hurricanes made decisions and and really committed to going young. Um, in, in, in trying to build a team around, you know, prospects and, and, and young guys and giving people the chance to, to come up because Ron Francis built an excellent farm system. Um, at the end of the day, he's not going to get enough credit probably than for that he deserves for, for forming what this team is. Um, but as good as he was at, at doing that, um, he never really committed to, you know, giving them a chance to 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 play in the NHL. Uh, I think that was probably the biggest downfall, and and he was afraid to, or he was seemingly afraid to to make the move that really helped the team go forward and 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 improve. Um, and in that, I think there was a we've heard this word a lot, culture that you know, wasn't great, you know? So to see that things are starting to move forward, we're seeing the Fogels of the world. Uh, we saw the Hamilton and Furlan acquisitions over the off season. Uh, it feels different. It feels new. And honestly, it hasn't felt like that in, in a few years, because even as they were improving under Ron Francis and Bill Peters, they were largely the same team. So it, it, it's good to see that, you know, there's how many rookies are going to be? There's going to be, what, four or five rookies on opening night for this team. Uh, that's exciting. And it's, it's a youth movement. It's a legitimate one. Um, this is going to be a really different team than, than what we've watched over the past nine years. So I, it's exciting. Uh, it's unknown. Uh, which can be scary, but it's also pretty exciting. And speaking of unknown, you said it um, as we came in here, uh, Darling's out. So he left the Sunday preseason finale against the Nashville Predators uh, with lower body injury. He was originally supposed to go the whole game. He came out, and we learned on Tuesday that it's a hamstring injury that will keep him out for a couple of weeks. Um so the Hurricanes turned around and claimed Curtis McElhaney, 30-year-old veteran goalie off of waivers from the Toronto Maple Leafs, who lost two goalies to the waiver wire uh, on Tuesday. So, Justin, what do you think about the goalie situation right now? Because uh, Darling had a great preseason, 
and it felt like he was really turning around, but that's a really unfortunate injury. Uh, granted, it's not super serious, but what do you think? The the positive to take away from it is to see what Morazic is made of because he's going to be the starter going into opening night and probably play more than a handful of games of, of what Darling will miss. Um, it's unfortunate for Darling for a guy who's worked so hard to get back and, and get in the right mind set and, and get in the right physical frame uh, to compete. It, it really does stink. Um, but luckily, this October schedule is a little bit different than than in years past. And in, in November, you know, you don't have the annual state fair trip, um, you know, that you go out west and, and play a bunch of games. And, yeah, it, it normally ends up sinking the team or they just can't get any points against some of these Western Conference teams. Um, so I, I think that the schedule kind of plays it favorably. Um, but you want to hopefully see him get back as soon as possible. For sure. Um, we, I think we learned a lot about Scott Darling and, and what kind of individual, what kind of player, what kind of goalie he can be uh, over the past few months. Uh, it was really, it was cool to see him um, kind of own up to the fact that that first year was awful it was really bad and you know he would be the first one to say it and i i respect him for that i respect what he did over the offseason to to get better and and try to be the answer for this team in net and he had an outstanding outstanding preseason um he finished with i think a 940 save percentage that's that's really good um over like 80 minutes of time on ice and, you know, he looked like a different goalie. He looked better. He looked calmer. He looked like he was back on track. And, you know, this is supposed to be a pretty big year for him. And it, could, it still could be. But, obviously, that's going to have to wait a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, uh, Peter Morazic is the opening night starter for this Hurricanes hockey team. And Curtis McElhaney is the backup. McElhaney spent two years in Toronto. He was... Very good in Toronto. I think he probably overachieved there. Uh, they put him on waivers because they have an insane amount of goalie depth. So, you know, this is a veteran that's been around for a very long time and uh, should be more than good enough as a spot starter and backup behind Peter Morazic. And this is this has to be like Justin. This has to be a really big opportunity for Peter Morazic, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you saw his form back in Detroit, and and he was a guy that really took over Jimmy Howard. I was actually a guy who covered the Detroit Red Wings when I first started writing about hockey. So octopus thrower, right? Uh, yeah, octopus yeah. thrower for fan sided. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that was in the early early days of Dylan Larkin. Plus, Morazic was first starting to come Those on are as a goalie. Times and, and, oh yeah, I mean it was. It was their last last little breath of uh, fresh yeah. air before they just got sad. But, um, yeah, I mean, he he played well in Detroit, and then, you know, he kind of hit a bump in the road and then ends up in Philly. I mean, it, it was kind of a weird situation. So for him, at being only 26, I mean, this is this is the best-case scenario for him to in, in a way. And you hate to see that for a teammate, I guess. But um, for him, in a from an individual standpoint, this is the best – chance he'll have to prove that 
maybe they're wrong. Maybe Morazic should be the starter. So, um, I mean, yeah, this is this is it for him. I really, I really think that to make an impression on this team, he's got he's got to go out there and perform in October. Yeah, he has to play well. If I think the for Morazic, he signed a one year deal in Carolina to prove that he still has game in him still. So he has what will end up being two or three weeks to really take control of of the crease. And if he does, then Darling comes back and he is coming off that amazing preseason. Hopefully he can pick up where he left off. And suddenly the goaltender situation is a lot better than we probably thought it would be. And now it's not like Curtis McElhaney is going to come in here and take Peter Morazic's job unless something crazy happens. Um, McElhaney's probably going to go on waivers again once Darling gets back and probably is going to get claimed by Toronto again, and that'll be it. Um, but this is a big opportunity for him. I mean, there is nobody in his way now. If he plays well, he's going to... You know he's gonna make that competition with Darling a lot more intense, and if he doesn't play too well, um, Darling's gonna come back and he's gonna be able to to take that spot again um, as the starter. Because I think we all thought Darling would be the opening night starter based on what we saw out of him in the preseason. Um, but it's really interesting. It's 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 a new kind of situation for for Carolina and Net. It's of course the first year of the cam ward not being here to you know whatever whatever that means for the team and whatever there there are a lot of theories about how psychologically cam ward's presence so on and so forth you know impacted the play of other goalies and all that so he's gone now the big scary bad man is gone, and, he's in, <laughs> and he is in Chicago. Um, best of luck to him. So going well, going well out there, isn't it? <laughs> he's gonna he's <laughs> he's gonna be the opening night starter for 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 Chicago. Because hey, at least at least he gets to play in front of the uh, twenty thousand fans yeah. he wanted, right? Congratulations, yeah. Cam. Um, did you see uh, it literally? Uh, during Darling's game in Nashville, one that the Carolina Hurricanes won 4-1 to before they played them again uh, on Sunday where Darling got hurt, uh, Darling played the full game. He was outstanding. I think he saw 28 shots, stopped 27. Really, he made some incredible saves against a Nashville lineup that was pretty much their opening night lineup. So it was impressive. And literally, as that was happening, Cam Ward allowed... <laughs> two shots on the first two or two goals on the two, first two shots of the game in Chicago in yep. their preseason game. Yep. And, and one of them was glove high too. One of them was glove high. Um, I don't know. That's just, that's fun. Yeah. It's kind of, it's like, I, you know, it makes yeah, you Yeah, but I was surprised because it was Elliot Friedman, I think who said like a few weeks ago that, that it could almost be like career ending for him. And then all of a sudden, Quinville's like, no, he's going to play in like mid, mid October or something like that. Like Corey Crawford. So yeah. 
Yeah, I, th- I thought that was pretty surprising. I thought yeah. Ward was going to be the starter throughout the whole year, and then I thought they really would have been in some trouble. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, they got to hope that Crawford comes back because when Crawford's healthy, he's one of the best goalies in the league. And, oh, yeah, top ten. You know, he's he's a great goalie, and you hope for the best, of course, for him with his health and for the Blackhawks. I mean, they, they need him. Uh, they... They don't want to go through the uh, Cam Ward experience as a 34-year-old starting goalie in the NHL. I think everybody would like to avoid that. Um, so let's talk about the rest of the lineup and rest, the rest of the players that – or some of the players that made the team out of camp. Um, Warren Fogle led the team with seven points during the pre- – I'm sorry, he led all forwards – with uh, seven points during the preseason. Jacob Slavin had eight points in three or four games. He was, hey, man, Norris Trophy, maybe, question mark. If we were giving out awards for the preseason, I think Jacob Slavin won the Norris. Um, Then Sveshnikov, Natchez all made it, DiGiuseppe, Zikoff. um, Of all the rookies on this Opening night roster: Svechnikov, Natchez, Fogel, Walmart, Zikov. Who are you most excited to see? I know the obvious answer is probably one of Natchez or Svechnikov, but what do you think? Um, the yeah, the obvious answer is Svechnikov. I mean, we haven't picked that high in in a very long time since I believe Eric Stahl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you you really like to see what he can bring to the table, and if He's explosive as, you know, tape shows, and he's really been, it seems like a student of the game since he got to Raleigh um, and just learning. It seems like he was, you know, kind of like absorbing everything like a sponge a little bit. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's 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 going to be exciting to see what he brings in game action and, you know, if they eventually ends up on a line with Natchez. I think that the two of them could be a really good pairing and, I, I hate to put a lot of hype behind it, but I mean, like a like a Sagan Ben almost in a way, like you know, just players that complement one another. Um, you know, I don't think they achieve that this year for sure, but I mean, if 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 they draft, you know, if they develop together and and play hard, then I think, uh, yeah, I mean, they they have very extremely high ceiling. Um, but you know, kind of the sleeper pick is definitely Fogel. Um, seeing him in Charlotte last year. It, I mean, he really came on in the second half of the season. Um, his net front presence is, and I hate to use that term, but his net front presence is really good. Um, he's he's a battler down low, and I think he has an underrated shot too. So I don't know. I, I'm really excited to see with him, but I just hope he sticks. Like I, I hope they give him some chance to, to you know, make an impression and and not give up on him too quickly and then end up calling someone else up from Charlotte or uh, anything of like that. So, um, yeah, I, I'd like to see him play. And I, I think that, you know, I think five to eight goals if he plays a full season is feasible. I I, I really think so. So, yeah, F- Fogel's my underrated pick. Five to eight for Fogel? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I mean, I don't know how much – Again, ice time fluctuates too much, and um, I think you know get, rookie. Tra- I, I think he'll get more than that. I think. I don't know. I just think rookie transitions can sometimes be tough, and 
I, I don't know, yeah, how his ice time is going to end up shaking up or who he's going to be playing with. Now, if he's on a line with, you know, Williams Aho or William or Aho Teravinen or something like that, then yeah, his numbers are going to be inflated for sure. Um, but what do you think about Aho playing center and, and moving away from the typical TSA line? Now, is that just a, a testament to that there's not enough center depth with Victor Rask out? Or do you really think that? Sebastian Ajo is a true center. That's tough. I mean, he wants to play center. He played center over the summer in international play. Um, it's, I think it ultimately, it comes down to how he can transition to that position. Uh, that rhymed. Um, so in the, in the preseason, he played, he played in the middle. Um, he had a really good game in Washington in the middle. He had some okay games. Um, you know, I think I think it's going to be a little bit of a of a process for for him to move to the middle. Um, I think this team, this Hurricanes team, is best if he can play in the middle of the ice um, and do so. You know, at at the level that we all know that Sebastian Ajo can play at. Um, so if he can do it, then that's a that's a big time addition. That's a first line center, best case scenario. Um, but you know the the, the Rask injury maybe kind of makes that process go a little quicker. Uh, I think they're gonna have to just put him at first line center uh, in the middle of Teravinen and Zikoff or. Teravinen and Fogel, whatever they do, or, or Furland, whatever it may be, um, and see from there. I mean, if he if he's just not playing well in the middle, then you got to move him back to the wing. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for the player and, more importantly, what's best for the team. And in this situation, it feels like what's best for the player and the team is probably the, like the same because I think the Hurricanes benefit more from when or the Hurricanes are benefiting more from Sebastian Ajo being a really, really, really like elite winger as opposed to him being an okay center. So I think in that situation, you'd probably want to just move him back to the wing because I think that helps him produce more, helps the team score more and be more effective offensively. Um, I don't know. I, I think in time he will be a center full time, I think. Well, I don't, I don't know if I'm a big fan of it right now. I guess we'll see how it turns out. Um, the TSA line was always something that I feel like really kind of put fear into opponents a little bit. Um, I like Stahl doing the heavy lifting while Ajo and Teravinen, you know, kind of focused a little bit more on scoring. And I think they their numbers benefited from Stahl. Um, but with that said, I think this, this offense right now is too sparse. To the point where they have to move Ajo to center. Um, I think they addressed things in the offseason like moving on from Cam Ward and picking up a goalie. Um, and then adding what is arguably a, a top 10, top 15 defender in the league. Um, there, you know, there's positives to take away from that. But I still feel like they didn't really address their center depth. Um, which I think they're going to struggle with. So I understand the move from now for now. But I think that if you're able to move a player like Falk or or something of that nature and, and bring a center in, 
I think you got to move. So, um, yeah, I, I understand it, but not the biggest fan. So we've been talking about a team that has, you know, existed for more than 20 years now. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about a team that doesn't exist. I think that sounds like a like a plan. And you know what? Sounds like uh, Seattle is going to get their own National Hockey League franchise. Pretty exciting. Uh, we've talked about this before on the podcast over the past year. Uh, we've had updates every now and then, but it looks like as soon as early December, this this could be the real deal. Justin, are you excited for Seattle hockey? Yeah, I feel like uh, this news in December is going to be like an early Christmas, more or less. Uh, I'm really excited for this, and and here's a few reasons why. Well, first, I think that it's going to be a beautiful rivalry between Seattle and Vancouver. I mean, geographically, it makes a lot of sense, um, and I just think it's it just seems like such a great city. I will I will be all in for when they eventually get a draft or or an all star even an all-star game or something, I might, I might even go because I've always wow. thought of Seattle as kind of a destination city for me. Not like, oh, you know, I'm going to spend top dollar for a long vacation there, but like I've always wanted to explore it. It seems pretty cool. But uh, I think it will be a great sports town. I mean, you see how they support the Seahawks. Um, Mariners get decent support, and I, I just think that the NHL will really benefit in that um in that area now i'm a former i think you might be biased um because your favorite basketball team stole their team (laughs) from where exactly where was that (laughs) seattle oh ah yes all right all right all right all right let's get into a little bit about this and for you those of you don't know clay bennett is the owner of the thunder and basically when he bought when he took over the team he promised to keep the supersonics oh man more or less there wasn't a document but he basically made a verbal promise to keep them two years later they were gone um i wonder if they were still in seattle would clay bennett be in on this nhl leadership i'm not sure but uh yeah i mean it seems like they got deep pockets i mean they have the former mlse president i think president uh in on the deal and seattle's mayor seems all in um and I think that, you know, having an expansion team just recently, we've kind of seen how it works. I mean, it seems like before that it was, you know, dec- about a, a little over a decade. Um, I think that seeing how they uh, how they worked and, and people kind of doubted them out from the beginning, including yours truly. Not but me. not Not technically. Brett didn't say they were going to go all the way to cup finals, so let's just tone down a little bit there. Well, I uh, I also defended them against uh, your slander. And I thought, you know, I was just, I was speaking for for Vegas. I was defending the great people of Vegas. So, yeah. Look, look, you didn't put them in your playoff predictions last year. So, you didn't. So, I can't say that. You said they were gonna. You didn't say they were gonna be a Disney theme. You did not. I promise you that. Um, <laughs> ultimately, I like their arena deal. Uh, Key Arena being renovated is kind of gives it a historic feel from back when the Sonics played. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really think it's gonna be a big town. But um, the easy question here, I guess, for you 
and I know my easy answer. Um, any early, very, very early lineup choices from them. I can tell you that they are going to be led by Captain Jay Beagle. Wow. That is... <laughs> that is a... That is a statement you just made. Um, who, the early lineup? Uh, maybe... Uh, I'm going to say that they're led by... Uh, Captain Bobby Ryan. That's what I say. Oh, okay. Yeah. I yeah, I'd say Bobby Ryan, and I'd also say, and this is gonna sound like a hot take, especially this, this early into his new contract. Also led by winger James Van Riemsdyk. No, no. Yes, yes, because I think, I think that Philly's gonna get into some cap issues, especially when you know they have to extend players like Provorov and stuff like that. I don't know. I think that. You know, winger James Van Riemsdyk is going to be the James Neal of of Seattle here. I yeah, really a, think that's so. A, that's a fair point because James Neal, I mean, he was a legit player. And he had to go to Vegas. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I think that's a very bold, bold prediction. Um, <laughs> speaking of bold predictions, how are the Canes going to do this year? Let's let's bring this Oof. back. Let's bring let's bring this back to the 2018-19 season. Let's talk about this team and and let's just talk about the playoffs and and the seeding and the standings that that we see as a whole. Um, let's start with the Hurricanes though. We did this on the on the website uh, canescountry.com. Everybody on the staff um, put out their predictions. Uh, best case scenario, worst case scenario for the Hurricanes, playoff teams, Stanley Cup uh, predictions, all that. So give me the best case, worst case scenario for the Carolina Hurricanes. So the way our site did it was uh, Brian, our editor, and you've heard him here on the podcast before. Uh, we came up with a best case, a worst case, and a most likely. And we put percentages on those best case and worst case. So what is the percentage that it's likely to happen? Um, my original, I did a prediction and then I changed it about five hours later because I was so uncertain about this team um, that, yeah, I just, I couldn't stick with what I had. All right. But so, um, so I think the best case scenario in terms of points in the standings is 103. And I put that at 15%. Um, I saw a few models that actually kind of had them achieving over 100 points. So I think that in best case scenario, you know, everything goes according to plan. The rookies play well. Um, the goaltending it, it at least gives us league average. And then that back end is just dynamic. Um I think you could reach the low 100s. Uh, but having it at 15%, I'm not really super sure about that. Uh, it, it just seems too far of a stretch to me, um, especially given the goaltending situation with Darling being out early. And Darling and Mrazek, and I guess you could kind of throw McElhinney in there, not bona fide starters really. Um, especially McElhinney's numbers may have been a little inflated on a team that gave him a lot of offense. He doesn't have that sort of luxury uh, here. Um, now, worst case scenario, I put 74. Um, it seems kind of low, um, but that I think is if we overevaluate these rookies and they don't perform, 
up to standard. Um, and you see maybe a down year from off or Teravinen or even an injury from one of those two. Um, I think that things could go pretty south pretty quick, which is not a necessarily bad thing. I think that people don't kind of forget the consolation prize here is Jack Hughes, and that's a franchise center. Um, so if there's ever a year to kind of slip out of the playoffs and, and really hit the tank button, um, which will be tough because there's player there's teams like Ottawa out there, um, but then you know, that goes to Colorado anyway. But uh, there's you know there's some gonna be some pretty bad teams this year too. Um, but I put that at thirty percent. So I don't know. I'm I'm just not super confident they're gonna be able to get everything together. Um, but my most likely point prediction was eighty eight, and I think that's kind of on par with years past and. Um, you know, it, it puts them close enough in the race once again. Um, but ultimately, I think they probably end up hitting a rough March or, or uh, you know, April and, and kind of, you know, hit the hit the snooze button a little bit and, and take their foot off the gas. So, um, yeah, I have them actually out of the playoffs this year. I'm I want to be proven wrong. Um you know, the original optimist in me kind of had it, but I think it's a realist that you're just putting too much faith in in the youth and in your shaky goaltending. Um, I think the defense is going to be phenomenal, and we're going to see that, you know, flashes of it throughout the whole year. Um, but it's just there's too many question marks in my opinion. And trust me, I want to look back on this recording and be so wrong. And I will be, you know, a fan of them more or less throughout the whole season. Like I, I want them to prove me wrong, but my safe bet here is that they finish out of the playoffs. Ooh. All right. Well, Justin, you said a lot of things and <laughs> I agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, I'll tell you exactly what I said in this. I said the best case scenario is 97 points. Um, I'd say that's around 20 to 25% chance. Uh, worst case scenario, 75 points. I put that at 20%. Um, just, just how I see it, this this season is pretty unpredictable. Um, honestly, I could see them being a, a high 90s in the point category team and making the playoffs as, you know, like somewhat comfortably, you know, like top seven, top six, even maybe, um, I could see it happening. But the thing is, like you said, a lot has to go right. You need Svechnikov to have a Calder worthy year. You need Natchez to be not too far behind. Uh, you need goaltending to work. Uh, Darling's hurt to start the year. So we'll see. I, I would be a lot more confident if, if Darling wasn't hurt for two or three weeks to start the year. Um, Mrazek, I think he'll be fine. But, you know, it, it, it's undeniable that, he, that Darling looked incredible during training camp in preseason. And that injury sucks, quite honestly, for the team and for him. Um, I think... Justin Falk needs to have a pretty big year, a bounce back year for him. I think Jacob Slavin needs to take a step forward in his play. Uh, 
which I think he can and should be able to do, especially if he's playing next to Dougie Hamilton, who's an elite, elite player and elite defenseman in all in all categories. Um, I think that there needs to be 100% buy-in to what Robert Nemours is doing, which I think there will be. Um, it just Sebastian Ajo needs to tra- uh, transition to center and do so smoothly and at, at an elite level. Um, there's just a whole lot of stuff that, that needs to go right. And that's why I said my most likely number is 88. It's the same as Justin's. Um, I think they're going to, you know, that's what, four or five points better than they did last year. I think we're going to be seeing a different type of hockey team. Uh, we're going to be seeing one that's fast and reckless to an extent. Uh, they're they're going to put more emphasis on effort and, and trying hard and all that more so than X's and O's. And I think that will cater itself to a more fun brand of hockey that, that will be, you know, fun to watch. And but on the flip side of that, you're doing that with a lot of young players that are new to the league and it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. And again, I could see them being a, a 98-97 point team. I could see them really bottoming out if the goaltending is another train wreck and things don't go right. So, yeah, I'd say the most likely is 88. Like you, Justin, I I really hope I'm wrong. Um I'd like to be able to cover games for Kane's country in the playoffs. Uh, I think that'd be cool. And, you know, they, they, they have the talent. They just need a lot to go right. So, yeah, we're on the same page here, I think. Yeah, I think they're going to be a, a pretty exciting team. Um, but I, I just don't think they have what it takes. And I want to be wrong. I really want to be wrong. Um, I want them to prove me otherwise. And we had some picks on here that, that were – you know, pretty bad last year. We also had some good ones too with Winnipeg. Um, but yeah, I, I really think that right now you're seeing what the core will be from here on out. Um, they kind of hit a revamp button on the rebuild with, you know, moving players that we thought were going to be part of the core in Hannafin and Lindholm. Um, so I, I think that you're really going to see what it's all about. And I think it's also going to be a really exciting year down in Charlotte too, um, with some of those players graduated. We get to see some of the other players like Julian Gauthier and, and Jake Bean kind of take on a big role. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's going to be lots of exciting moments. I just hope they prove me wrong and make it even more exciting and get to the playoffs. Yeah. To to clarify, I think what we're both saying is um, this is going to be a positive year for the Hurricanes. I think it's going to be a positive step forward. I think it's going to be a market improvement in in how they play and and what they expect out of themselves and i i think it's going to be a hard-working group that will have a lot of close games and a lot of exciting you know plays start to finish they're going to be physical they're going to be fun they're going to be extremely talented um but they're really young too and it's a young man's league now uh, it's it's no longer all about getting 30-year-old players. Um, so, again, I think that's – it's it's either it, – it could, I could see it being a, a big-time year for them where they make the playoffs and everything's great, 
or I could, I could see them taking a little bit of a, you know, not so great finish in the standings, but yeah. So that's our take on the hurricanes. Justin, do you agree with pretty much all that? Uh, it's going to be a positive step forward, but it might not be smooth entirely. Yeah. I, again, I really would, I really want to be wrong. And the optimist in me actually had them making the playoffs. Um, but I think it's just a realistic approach. Um, it there's going yeah there's going to be a lot of positive moments um but i think ultimately those points that we pointed out earlier is just just going to be too much in an ultra competitive division and another division that's probably going to be gunning for those wild card spots in the atlantic so um yeah i i i want i want to see them perform well i just think that it's not to get your hopes up too much based on the offseason moves mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, did we both did we both project Carolina in the playoffs last year? I think we did. And so that was yeah. I thought about that for a long time. Like I back in like I think 2014, I said, okay, this team's not gonna make playoffs, and I said 2017, 18 was gonna be the season, and then I really believed that last year. I did too. And and I think I think that's the reason why I have so much apprehension this year. Go ahead and picking them in the playoffs because I think whenever you get on the hype train with this team, the train ultimately ends up crashing. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay buckled in and and just hopefully it's a good ride. But if you, I'm, if, I'm expecting to be a little bit bumpy. If you lower the expectations a little bit, then you won't be too disappointed. I don't think so. Stay fair, stay level-headed with this team. There's going to be some some growing pains, but I really I I do truly believe that this what what they have going right now and and what they're building is going to be something pretty special. Um but just stick with them and realize they're young and that's not going to be easy all the time and that they're learning every single day. Um let's move on to the rest of the league, shall we? Um all right, since we're already talking about the Metropolitan Division, or uh, Justin, what are your Metropolitan Division standings, predictions? So, so what I got is I got Pittsburgh up top. Um, I think they get back on track, or not more or less back on track, but they're going to prove once again who they are. And I think Derek Broussard has a big bounce back year. Um, and I think Matt Murray is, I think, all right, this is kind of my first hot take of this episode. Wow. I think he's going to prove that he could even be a Vesna finalist. Um, I think he'll have the stats for it. So I'm put them at number one. Uh, number two is the Washington Capitals. They keep basically the same team intact, um, <laughs> minus I guess Tom Wilson. Um, who knows? Uh, but uh, yeah, and then Philly I have at number three. Um, I think that offense is is pretty solid, and and the back end is is something that's going to be kind of matching Carolina's within the next year or so um number four i have columbus now i think this is my most risky pick because i think they're either going to be a really solid team or they're going to be pretty bad and i i pointed this out on the last episode that um Bobrovsky, depending on Bobrovsky's contract year plus panarin really kind of wants out and panarin's a big part of that offense so um yeah i'm a little shaky on them at number five i do have the canes 
Um, I think they remain competitive once again, but ultimately fall short. Uh, number six, I have the New Jersey Devils. Um, I think last year was not necessarily a fluke, but I think it was ahead of schedule. Um, they still have some work to do. I'm not a huge believer in Corey Snyder at this point in his career. So, um, yeah, I have them at number six. Number seven, I have the New York Rangers. Um, they still have parts of their team that can put up offense. They still have Henrik Lundqvist, so I don't think you could put them at the bottom of the division. But I think they'll be kind of close. I think the, the back end is just old and just misfits. So I'm not a big fan of the Rangers here. Um, and last but not least, the New York Islanders um, at number eight. I think that it's just, they're just a mess. And it's going to take a year or two or maybe even three to kind of have them have a sense of direction. Maybe 15, 20, 30 years. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? Um, Matt Barzell is a great player, um, but the back end in that contract situation is just atrocious. I don't know how they get out of that anytime soon. Um, Lou Lamorello has his work cut out for him. I like Barry Trotz as a coach there. Um, I, I I think uh, you know they'll, they'll be a very solid team, but uh, down the road with, with him as coach, uh, but this year it's, it's going to be a mess. So that's my Metro standings. All right, um, I'll go through this quick. Um, I agree with pretty much everything. Uh, my number one team, I think Pittsburgh is going to finish first in the division. Uh, I think the Capitals will finish second. I think the Philadelphia Flyers will finish third. I think the Columbus Blue Jackets will finish fourth. Then the Devils in fifth. The Carolina Hurricanes in sixth. Again, please prove me wrong. Uh, the New York Rangers in seven, in seventh place. And... Finally, and also least, uh, the New York Islanders, who are god-awful. And <laughs> the Hurricanes play them on opening night. So, tonight, when you're listening to this, assuming you're listening to listening to this on Thursday. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe you're listening to this if, over John Forslund's audio. If, maybe you decided <laughs> to mute him and listen to us instead. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure yeah, you I, probably did. I know, I know a lot of people do that. Um, I think... If if the Hurricanes lose to the Islanders on opening night, um, it's gonna be a long year. <laughs> uh, it it's gonna be rough. Yeah, they I think they'll beat the Islanders on opening night at home against what is truly gonna be a train wreck in the Islanders. They're gonna be really really bad. They replace John Tavares with Leo Komarov and Matt Martin. So, uh, good luck to them. Uh, you'll need it. Let's move on to the Atlantic Division. Justin, what's your uh, Atlantic Division looking like? So, the Atlantic, I have uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning at the top. I think that team is just extremely deep. Even in a top-heavy division, I still think they come out on top. Number two, I have Toronto. I think that the addition, obviously, of Tavares puts them... A step above Boston. Um, I guess we'll just still see because as of this recording, Nylander is yet to sign a contract and we're only, you know, as of this recording, only a few hours away from puck drop on game one. So, um, yeah, I I guess we'll see how that turns out. But uh, ultimately, they still have a super high-powered offense. Um, number three, I have the Boston Bruins. It's hard to count them out any year. Um, mostly the same team plus Halak. 
I like him uh, backing up Rask. I think that that kind of gives Rask a little bit of a breather, and we'll see kind of peak Rask maybe a little bit more. Um, up next, I have the Florida Panthers. I think that they were kind of a team that they were right on the edge last year too. They get even better, I think, with Mike Hoffman. Hopefully the off-ice issues have been solved, but um, I I really like that team. Um, up next, I'll probably throw in the uh, Ottawa Se- – no, not Ottawa Senators. Excuse me. Um, I'll take the Buffalo Sabres. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, I like the, the roster changes. I mean, Jeff Skinner is obviously going to – be a big help for them. Rasmus Dahlin will, you know, we'll see how that development turns out. Um, so I'll put them next. Uh, after that, I'll put the Montreal Canadiens. Um, eh, just not enough, but you can't, this team could be a, a really high riser, a really high faller, depending on how Carey Price plays. If Carey Price plays out of his mind, you might even see them sneak in. But if eh, the rest of the roster doesn't really say, Wow, you know. Um, so up next, I'll put the Detroit Red Wings. Um, just a growing pains year. Um, Zadina's not starting with the Wings, so that's kind of sad. I was really, <laughs> really hype on him. I, I wanted him to play, but they're starting him the AHL, which I think he'll benefit from, and I think you will see a call-up of him this year. But I would have put him as an early Calder candidate had he started the year. Um, just growing pains year. Larkin's going to be productive. Um Mantha's going to be okay. I, yeah, just it, it's going to be interesting in Detroit, and they still have to shape that team. And last, but definitely least, is the Ottawa <laughs> Senators. Um, it's going. Speaking of train wrecks, if you think the Islanders are going to be bad, whew, the Senators are going to be worse. Um, I guess the the shining light on that is Matt Duchesne. I feel bad for the guy. I th- I wish he would get traded this season. Just get him out of there to Carolina. Um, but yeah, oh yeah, I'll take that. Um. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, auto centers are definitely going to be last, and yeah, <laughs> that's my Atlantic. All right. Uh, I think I have the exact same as you. Uh, Tampa 1, Toronto 2, Boston 3, uh, Florida 4, and in the, into the playoffs, Florida is. Um, uh, Florida, then Buffalo. I think Buffalo got better. Uh, Buffalo, then I'll go Detroit then Montreal, and at the bottom, Ottawa. And hot take, the Islanders are going to be worse than the Senators this year. Ottawa wow. will not be the worst team in the East. It will be the Islanders. That's my hot take. Wow. Um, are, wait, yeah. are the Islanders the worst team in the league? Um, you said the East. You said the East. So are they yes. worse yeah, yeah, than everybody else? Wow. They're, I'll say it here. The Islanders will be the worst team in hockey this year. The New York Islanders. Book wow. it. Book it. Book All it. right. All right. I mean, that benefits uh, the Canes when they play them for sure. So um, yeah. those are that's a few wins if if that's the case. Man, those Islander right. games this year. The, the Islander games are, are, are always ridiculous with the Hurricanes. Um, it feels like every game the Hurricanes score seven, and they always win seven to five. So hopefully we'll start to see like seven to two games in favor of the Hurricanes. I think that would be refreshing. Um, yeah, Western Conference. Want to start with the Central, Justin? Uh, yeah, the Central is going to be, I think, a really tough division this year. Um, but at the top of it, I'll go ahead and put – this might be a little bit of a hot take. I'll put the Nashville Predators number one. Okay. Um, I think they – I mean, same roster. 
I mean, it's kind of hard to, to to doubt them. Um, yeah, I'll take I'll take Nashville number one. Number two, I'll put the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I think they'll hit. They're going to be a t- team that goes deep in the playoffs. I might even put them in the Western Conference Final, if not the Stanley Cup Final. Even though I didn't make that prediction on our article, um, but I think they'll hit. They'll hit waves, I think, a little bit more this year. So we'll see. Um, number three, I will put the St. Louis Blues. I really like those offseason additions. Ryan O'Reilly, um, you know, a healthy Jake Allen is good. Vladimir Tarasenko, kind of hard to doubt them. I like that roster through and through. Number four, I'll take the Dallas Stars. Uh, locking up Sagan was the ultimate concern for them. They have a bunch of good young guys, and Radic Fosca is another guy that he kind of – Played extremely well last year, but no one even paid attention to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that team. He's a really underrated player. I like him a lot. For, sh- for sure. Um, up next, I will... Okay, so this is where it gets kind of confusing. I will take the Colorado Avalanche next there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that last year wasn't really a fluke. I think, you know, McKinnon and Landis Cog and... And Randon are going to be good players and going to play well, but ultimately fall short. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the avalanche there. And then this is where the take gets hot. I'll take the Blackhawks next. Um, mm. It's going to be a rough start for them. I think they're really going to slip up at the beginning. And that's I'm not just throwing shade at Cam Ward there. <laughs> I just think that... The, they really didn't do much to improve. Like I don't, I don't know why they didn't do more, especially because in that type of market and that type of winning culture, I guess more or less over the past, you know, half decade to decade. I don't know why they didn't do more. So I they're, really don't. They're, yeah, they're they're in a weird spot right now with yeah. Kane and Taze on the deals that they're on. It seems like they're they're they they have too much talent to just tear it all apart, but they're not good enough to be a playoff team. Like they're in this really weird in between and it might be a couple of ugly years there until it gets better. Wow. Wow. Um, and last I have the Minnesota wild, my hot take so far. Um, I'll probably give you another one this episode, but my hot take so far is that the Minnesota wild will end up with a top five lottery pick. I really don't believe they're going to be a good team. Um, they're getting old. They're just, they didn't do anything to improve in an already tough Western Conference. Um, I'm not sure Eric Stahl catches fire like he did last year. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I, I just I don't have faith in that team really. I I don't know. It's gonna be tough. Um, they could switch spots there with maybe the Blackhawks in that division, but I really think that the bottom two are gonna be those two. Um, you, if you recorded this maybe like four years ago, you'd sound crazy saying this type of stuff, but I really think it's just how far these two teams have dropped off a cliff. So, um, yeah, I'll take the wild last and that's my central. All right. Um, all right, I'll go, I'll go now. Um, number one, I'm taking Winnipeg. Um, I don't have to explain myself. They're really good. Number two, (laughs) No, Justin said everything that needs to be said. Number two, Nashville, uh, Winnipeg, Nashville. That's it's. Those are the Kings, or they aren't the Kings, like, like LA Kings, but they're like they, they're the Kings of the division. Um, that was a really bad uh, analysis. Um, three, uh, St. Louis Blues. I think they're gonna bounce back. 
and be a playoff team. They got a lot better over the offseason. Uh, they just got to make sure that their goaltending is stable with Allen. They don't have Carter Hutton anymore. Hopefully they can figure that out. But I'll pick them three. Uh, four, I'll take Colorado. Five, I'll take Dallas. And we're at the bottom. I'm going to go Minnesota six, Chicago seven. Nah, Chicago six, Minnesota seven. So... Yeah, I think the. Wow. So you also I think, think Minnesota, Wilder aren't going to be yeah, good? I mean, that's the Central's tough because I mean, no one in that division is truly awful. Like I think you can look at every division and find a team that's just like really, really bad. But I don't think there is a team in the Central that's just going to be like atrociously bad, like just awful, awful. So I think Minnesota finishes last, but I still think they're going to be a decent team. So. Um, that's my take on the central. Now we have one more division and that is the Pacific division. Justin. Well, I think, uh, ultimately Eric Carlson puts him over the edge. So I'm going to take the sharks first in the division. Um, that team is stacked. I think they're going to be right up almost to the end unless they become choke artists. Um, I'll, I'll take the sharks at number one, number two. So this is kind of maybe, and I don't think this is a chaotic pick. Golden Knights at number two. Um, Paul Statsny, I really like that addition. I mean, the lineup is kind of the same, but, you know, just a little extra pieces here and there. Um, I'll take them at number two. Number three, I'll take the Edmonton Oilers. Hot take, but mm. um, I, I think Connor McDavid is just going to play out of his mind this year. Um, it sucks that Sakara's hurt, um, but I, I don't know. I just... No, nobody in this division seems to be grabbing, other than the Sharks and maybe the Knights and I'll say the Kings. Nobody out there is like really that prominent. Um, so I'll take the Oilers number three, and then at number four I'll take the Kings. Why they chose Ilya Kovalchuk to sign a three-year deal worth six mil? I think that's still baffling to me. They're so old. Um, one injury to quick could derail them. Um, I, I'm just I don't have too much passion behind them. Um, number five, I will take the Arizona Coyotes. I think that I really like Galchenyuk back or Galchenyuk with them. Um, I think Dylan Strom ends up playing and, and takes a big leap. Um, and yeah, I, I really like the young team. Ranta played out of his mind the second half and had like a 9.32 save percentage or something crazy like that. Um, so I, I think this team's gonna gonna be real competitive. Um, next, I will take the Calgary Flames. Uh, Bill Peters is is gonna face some heat from the Canadian media. <laughs> I think they're uh, heat like in flames. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, their goaltending still stinks too. I mean, it's still questionable like ours is. So, um, I mean, cool, Elias Lindholm. Good for you. You're on the first line, but. Uh, I, I just don't know how they become such big difference makers out there, but um, oh, they don't. I I don't <laughs> think they do. I I don't think either of them do really. Um, and that's no slight at them. I'm just I just really think that they're not the difference maker. Dougie they, Hamilton is. So. They they lost the trade to Carolina, in my opinion. I think both Furlan and Furlan will be a bigger difference maker in Carolina than Lindholm was and Hamilton will be a bigger difference maker than Hannafin was. So 
that's my huh. opinion. Fair enough. Um, so with that, after the flames, I will take. All right, this is the hot one. Uh, no, actually, never mind. I'll play it safe. I'll go Ducks here. I'll go Ducks here and then follow it up with the Canucks. Um, but I'm telling you what, the Ducks are, ugh, they're just, they got to do, they got to change something up. Um, I don't know why they basically went in with the same roster. They still haven't signed Nick Ritchie to a contract as of the recording of this podcast. And, um, I mean, Kessler's starting the season hurt. Um, I like that they locked up Gibson, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. And then the Canucks are the Canucks. Um, and I think Pearson's going to have a good year for sure. Um, and may even compete for the Calder. But, you know, it's it's kind of the Canucks. Um, Brock Besser was fun to watch last year, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see them competing. Um, so with that in mind, and you're going to give your Pacific division, but then also please give your wild card predictions for both the East and West. All right, so Pacific. Uh, Number one, San Jose. Number two, Vegas. Number three... Number three, Arizona. Number four, Los Angeles. Number five, Calgary. Number six, the Edmonton Oilers. Number seven, the Vancouver Canucks. No, no, I, I can't do it. Number seven, <laughs> Anaheim. Number eight, Vancouver. I really wanted to put Vancouver over Anaheim, but then I thought about Anaheim's decor and their goalie, and I, I just can't. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess I guess that's it. There. Pacific's tough. I could see a lot of things happening in the Pacific. Exactly. It's. Like, I, I feel like, like it's the most unpredictable division I, this like, year. I could see, like, legitimately, I could see a scenario where any of these teams win the division except for Vancouver. Yeah. Honestly, like, the Flames could, no pun intended, catch fire. I think uh, the Coyotes, like, if, that, if the young guys really show out there, they could even be up there. LA maybe the Cobalt Truck experience does work. I don't know. Yeah. Gold go I think Vegas also could flip spots with the Sharks too. Yeah. Um but I, I think the Sharks will be the more productive postseason team this year. Okay. Um so that my uh, Western Conference playoff picks. Let's go Winnipeg, Nashville, St. Louis, of course out of the central. Um then Vegas, San Jose, and Arizona, the top three in the Pacific. Uh, not in that order. And then my wild cards will be hmm, St. Louis. Wait, I put St. Louis in my top three. Never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll take Colorado and da, 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 L.A. Colorado, L.A. for my wild card. Huh. Um, in the East, I took Florida. I really think they're going to be pretty competitive, and I took Columbus, so I played it safe there. Now, with the West, this is such a toss-up. Um, I think it's going to be an all-out battle between the Stars and then the um, Kings and Kings and uh, I guess the Flames. Uh, it's going to be tough, but I'll take Stars and the Kings. Yeah, I'll take the Stars and the Kings. 
right. I think I think so. I think the wild card spots are actually going to be split one per division. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah Again, the Met- the Metro can always prove us wrong in the East. Yeah, it could really just be the top three in in there, and then the Metro could could be you know great once again so all right um, Wait, i, I gotta yeah, i gotta say I, got. I gotta say my picks for the east i only did the west um pittsburgh washington philly out of the metro lightning toronto boston out of the atlantic and then the wild cards florida columbus those are my eastern picks hmm. that's my wow. east and we have all right so we have player awards let's make this quick um justin who's winning the heart who uh connor mcdavid connor mcdavid um, uh, that's a it's a very uh bold pick it's very yeah if uh, they end up if they end up in the top three in the uh pacific I mean, it's all because of him. There's no other reason. Is he, so, is he winning um, your uh, your heart your uh, Art Ross as well? Most points. He is winning my Art Ross as well. Mm-hmm. I will take the point prediction for myself. Is all right. One twenty one. I'll take one twenty one. That seems high, but for him, it's goal. plausible. He he said he wants. He literally says he wants to score more goals. And if if the best player in the league says he wants to score more goals, I don't see what's going to stop him from doing that. So, yeah. I'll take one twenty one. That's fair. Um, you want to go? Yeah, go ahead. Give your uh, Calder, Richard, and Vesna. My Calder pick this year, if everything goes according to plan and works out the way the Hurricanes wanted to, Andre Svestnikov. Uh, this is such a weird class because it also has some, like some of the players that are going to play this year in a full-time role were you know drafted in previous years, but the the draft class itself, you know. Not a lot of those guys are going to be in the league. Um, I'll take that, and then the hot take of the year combined with it, I'll say if he wins that Calder Trophy, it's going to be 70 points from him. Um, I think that's plausible. Skinner had 63 his rookie year. Um, yeah, if everything goes according to plan, that he's going to take that home. Um, the Rocket Richard. Uh, I thought about this really long and hard. The safe pick is Ovechkin. I mean, why mm-hmm. wouldn't it be? Um, but I really think it's going to be a toss-up between the actually number one and number two a few years ago. It's going to be a toss-up between Austin Matthews and Patrick Laine. And I will give the edge to Patrick Laine um, by only two goals. <laughs> wow. Um, and lastly, uh, my Vesna. I'll go with a safe pick here. I will take... Braden Holtby. Um, I think that's safe to say. I mean, he's going to show up and play well unless he gets hurt. I mean, I think that's pretty safe. Um, mm-hmm. But, again, I, my hot take kind of involved in there is Matt Murray's going to be a Vesna finalist this year. All right. Some breaking news on the podcast as we're as Brett is about to give his heart and Art Ross predictions. Tom Wilson has been suspended 20 games. 20 games. That wow. means he'll forfeit $1,260,162.60, according to John Shannon of Sportsnet. So that's 20 games for Tom Wilson's hit. So, yeah, that is, that's up there. <laughs> Sorry, wow. I just felt like that was something we should throw in. Wow. 
Anyways, shout, you're, uh, wow. shout out to the NHL for doing something. That yeah. Wow, that that's amazing. Twenty games. He deserves that. Rocket Richard, Patrick Line, Vesna. I will go with Andre Vasilevsky for my Vesna. And now we're gonna give our hot takes of the year. You know what? Um, Pedersen is not going to win the Calder. Uh, just kidding. Hot take of the year. Martin Natchez is going to win the Calder. That's my hot take. Ooh. Yep. Ooh, that is a very hot take. Martin Natchez. Okay. All right. Then throw in how many points is this man going to have and is going to stay at center? Martin Natchez is going to play the whole year at center, maybe. I'm not. That's not part of my position. <laughs> um I think he'll finish with 68 points. 68 wow. points for Martin Natchez. I think he's going to finish with 68. Wow. I think he's going to score... Man, I think he's going to score... I'm not going to get that specific because I already know I'm going to be wrong. It's not even, not even worth it. Um, but yeah, Natchez will win the Calder and will score 68 points. Okay. Uh, That's my just hot take as hot of a take as I can I can give. <sighs> my hot take of the year. I'll I'll drop three real quick. Wow. Um, John Klingberg is going to be a Norris candidate finalist. I agree with that. Um, Henrik Lundqvist is going to post a nine oh two save percentage. Wow. And wow. only win twenty eight games. Jesus. All right. And then on the Hurricanes, my hot take is that Martin Nietzsche will score under 40 points. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, look, again, my hot take last year was picking Arizona. This year I'm going all out. I'm, I'm dropping three on you real quick. So, wow. Um, we kind of went in opposite directions there. Wait, we, but didn't, I will we, didn't, say... we didn't give a Norris Trophy winner. Let's do a Norris Trophy winner. Um I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Eric Carlson for the Norris. You? I'll take. Um, I think this, the finalists will be Klingberg, Carlson, Subban, and I think I think Carlson will probably win it. Yeah, he's just gonna be the only thing. By that the, the only thing I'm afraid of is that him and Brent Burns are gonna split votes a little bit. But I think I think he, you know. He's probably he's the best defenseman in the league, and so I'm just saying he's going with the Norris. So hopefully, he following does. that up, following that up, does a Hurricanes defenseman finish in the top fifteen in voting this year? Yes. Who? Jacob Slavin. Ooh, not even Dougie Hamilton, huh? It won't be Hamilton. It will be Jacob Slavin. I'll say Dougie Hamilton finishes top ten in Norris voting. All right, that's. I think Slavin is probably top twenty, but it's probably a better, more in like that's a better bet than what I just said. I think. Yeah. Oh man, we we do but, have some hot takes but this Slavin, year. Yeah, I think Slavin's going to finish top fifteen. Actually, wow. he's going to finish thirteenth exactly in Norris Trophy voting this year. Thirteen. <laughs> that was that's very oddly specific. Why by thirteen? Um. No real reason. Does, does it matter? I said it. No, you know, these are just yeah, hot takes that I just said. These are hot takes. I, I don't need a reason. I'm just saying it. What do you think? Well, what do you think of my Lundqvist hot take then? That he's gonna have a 902 save percentage and win 20 games. 
I said, okay, I said, I think I said 28. (laughs) Um, What do you think of that save percentage? That's a hot take. I feel like, yeah, I I don't, I don't care. I don't care about the wins. Uh, The, the save percentage is what's pretty uh, shocking. Um, I think Lumpus will have a 913. 912, 913. 912. Wow. 912. Final so, answer. So, league, so basically you're saying it's going to be average. Yeah. What I'm saying is uh, his 2018-19 season um, will be average, and it would also be better than any goalie has ever done in 21 years for the Hurricanes. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, quick Quick uh, Lundqvist background. His goals against average since 2014-15 went from 225, and last year it was 298. And he's gone from a 922 to a 915. I think it drops astronomically. His lowest of his career so far was 910. So, yeah, this is this is a hot take. <laughs> that is quite the take. And it is very hot. It's but anyways, uh, we'll see. We've said a lot of things on this podcast. We did. We and did. I feel like we're gonna have to go back and listen to this like in January and just see where it stands. You know, like mid season. Yeah, and yeah, then I, and then go back again. We like I have said things on this podcast that I don't agree with, <laughs> but I said them, and they're gonna be out in podcast form in your ears. On opening night, or the day of opening night, it's opening day for the Hurricanes, Thursday, October 4th. Thank you for listening to the Canes Country Podcast. Um, Follow the site on Twitter, at Canes Country. Uh, Check out everything that's going on at CanesCountry.com. Canes Country Picks on Instagram. Uh, Justin, what's your Twitter handle? It's at LankyLeap. You can follow me there. Absolutely, you can. And you can follow me at Brett underscore Finger. Um, Enjoy the hockey night, everyone. It's going to be a fun year, and I look forward to talking about it with Justin every week along the way. So, have a good week. Bye.